but knowing that when they sit down with somebody, they don't have to be intimidated because there is the Word of God in front of them, and they are confident that God and His words have answers. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Dr. Brent Oakwin, who served the Lord at Faith Church for the last 25 years. Brent wears a lot of hats at Faith, but today we're talking to him about his role as the president of Faith Bible Seminary. I'm especially interested in our listeners hearing about a seminary model that includes practical training in biblical counseling. So Brent, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here, and I'm excited to just tell you a little bit about what God has done in my life and through the seminary. It really is amazing to me that you have served at Faith for 25 years, and so thank you for your faithfulness and your patience in working with me, (laughs) and just, we could sit here and tell stories all day long. Yes, um, we could. The Lord is good, but I do appreciate you and Janet and just all the things that you mean to our family and to our church family. And God has used these 25 years to just draw me closer to Him, so I'm very thankful for this ministry. It's changed my life. Amen. Amen. Well, let's back up a bit and just tell us about how you became interested in pastoral ministry, because that wasn't the original trajectory, so I think it would help people just to hear a bit about your story. Sure. It's intimately entwined with biblical counseling, so it's an interesting story. So those two things go together. Proverbs 16.9 says, the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And that's true of my life. Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, my mom took me to see Star Wars in 1977. And as a young man, or as a young boy at that point in time, I was fascinated by that movie. I know your son tends to like Star Wars as well. So so be careful what you let him watch, because it has an impact. Well, that movie had an impact on my life. I'd never seen anything like it. And I started wanting to be something like Luke Skywalker fighting the Death Star. But the closest thing you could do to that would be an astronaut. And at that time in our culture, astronaut was something that a lot of young children wanted to be because of the prestige of the space program, and then you add science fiction to it. That's what I wanted to be. I was pretty good at academics. I wasn't good at sports or anything like that, but I was good at science and academics, so I set my foot on the path to be an astronaut. And I went out to find a university that might get me close to that, and I was born and raised in Oklahoma. There's no spaceports in Oklahoma, (laughs) but the closest thing that I found was a good engineering school at Oklahoma State University where I began to pursue an mechanical engineering degree with an aerospace option. That was the closest thing that I could get to being an astronaut. And my life was wrapped around that. I wanted to be the hotshot astronaut. In biblical counseling, we talk a lot about heart issues and where we find our significance and our identity. And for me, it was being well-known and finding my significance in being somebody recognized as significant. And for me, that was, that was an astronaut career. 
I was saved at an early age, but I was not well taught and discipled, so I did not understand heart issues and identity issues. I found my significance in my academics, and that was what I was pursuing. It wasn't until, ultimately, that there was a navigator friend that got a hold of me. My senior year at Oklahoma State, where I was pursuing my dream of being an astronaut, and he began to disciple me. Now, he didn't know about biblical counseling, but he loved God. He, as navigators do, know a lot about spiritual disciplines, and he began to teach me a little bit about spiritual disciplines. And he would come alongside me and say, Brent, how are your devos going? And I would say, what's a devo? (laughs) And then he would say to me, Brent, what scripture are you memorizing? And I would say, why would I do that? You can see, Steve, I wasn't very well taught in my spiritual disciplines because I was all about finding my significance in my academics and being what I wanted to be. But that began a change in me. So that navigator investing his life in me began to change me, and he began to also ask me this. He said, Brent, why don't you share with others the things that I'm sharing with you? And he challenged me to begin to invest in other men. So this is a part of my story here. He asked me to teach a Bible study, teaching the young men the things that he was teaching me. So I started a Bible study my senior year at Oklahoma State University, and that's when I began to live outside of myself. So that man challenging me to do that had two freshmen and a sophomore in my Bible study, and I began to pour into them. The things that the navigator was pouring into me, I was pouring into others. And fascinatingly enough, Steve, you know, living outside of yourself and living for others is actually a joyful experience. Mm. So I learned that, and that was a my, one of my first tastes of ministry that began to, that was a seed planted in mm. me. But there was something else that was going on there. When I was investing in the lives of those men, some of those men began to come to me with issues and problems. So here I am, a senior at Oklahoma State University, and majoring in aerospace engineering, knowing my math, my science, and I had a young freshman who was struggling. First, I would just be helping him with his college algebra. Like, he wasn't a, he wasn't a nerd like I was. He wasn't an engineer like I was, but he was struggling with his college algebra, so I would help him with that, along with his spiritual disciplines. But then as I got more and more into his life, during those sessions of helping him with his homework, he would just begin to break down and say, I'm struggling in life, and he was depressed. Mm. And I began to go to my navigator friend, and my navigator friend, I said, how do I help him with his depression? And my navigator friend didn't really know what Mm. to do. So I could teach him his spiritual disciplines, I could help him memorize some verses, and we were doing all of that, but he was still depressed. Mm. My navigator friend said, hey, let's send him to my pastor. Pastor, at that point in time, I was going to church, and pastor didn't know what to do with him. So here I am, you know, I've been a Christian, and just learning to grow, but then God is putting in me a sense of, we don't have all the answers. Mm. And I, I wouldn't have put it that way then, I do now, but there was a growing void in my life that I didn't quite sense then, that I really wasn't sure what to do. My pastor said, well, we need to send him to a Christian psychiatrist. 
So that's what we did. And the Christian psychiatrist immediately put him on um, Prozac. And this was in the early 90s, and Prozac was probably first coming on the scene. And my dad was a pharmacist. Here is my heart being poured out for young men, and I'm enjoying that. And my answer for him at this point in time, although I, I wasn't terribly disturbed, I just began to think about, okay, this is what I need to do, I need to do this. I provided Prozac for him free of charge because my dad was a pharmacist and my dad was willing and gracious to do that. And that incident right there began to formulate something in my mind that I wouldn't know until later that I was missing something in my theology. Now, I'm not against medicine or anything like that now in the biblical counseling movement, but God was doing something in that. Okay, so all of that is the background to my ministry story. Number one, I really enjoyed ministering to those young men. It was then I began to develop a love for ministering to people, building people, rather than rockets. And then what began to happen was this. After I finished up at Oklahoma State University, the dean of engineering said, Brent, if you don't go on to get your PhD in engineering, you're going to be wasting your talents. And the navigator friend said, Brent, you need to go to ministry. I see some gifts in you. Mm. And which one would you choose? I mean, I'm thinking hotshot astronaut, PhD, you know, famous space explorer versus ministry where I can never get a new car or new shoes or new clothes again. I'm going to have to raise my own support. And, you know, ultimately, I chose at that point in time, continuing to go into aerospace engineering. What brought me here? Where do you go if you want to get a fantastic degree in engineering aerospace to be an astronaut? I chose Purdue. Hmm. So... I came to Purdue, and fascinatingly enough, when I got here, guess what I started struggling with? Remember that young man struggled with depression? And I came here to Purdue University, and God has an amazing sense of irony. I started struggling with depression as well. There's various reasons for that, but let me give you one. At Oklahoma State, I was a very, very big fish in a very, very small pond. You know, I mentioned the comment about the Dean of Engineering. I had won the Dean of Engineering's award, and I was a big fish at Oklahoma State. When I got to Purdue, oh my goodness, there are so much more smarter people than me here at Purdue. And I was struggling with some of my math homework as well (laughs) at the graduate level. And then God brought something into my life. There was my roommate that had suggested, you need to go to Faith Church. (laughs) And that's where I began to intersect with you, Steve, and Faith Church. So I started coming to Faith Church, and I can remember several things. I began to come on a Wednesday night, and Steve, you were teaching. You were teaching on how to handle your past biblically. Hmm. And, you know, you've written a book on that now. (laughs) And I can remember when you were teaching that and formulating all of that. Not that I had a bad past or anything, but I can remember that I had never heard scriptural teaching applied in that kind of way Hmm. to these kinds of issues in life, and then that intrigued me, and then I began to 
get more and more involved in faith church, and I heard about biblical counseling. I heard about the sufficiency of the Word of God. And that was, God was beginning to fill the hole in my worldview and theology that had been created because I did not have answers for my depression, nor did I have answers for that young man's depression as well. And then God brought me to Purdue, not to build rockets, but ultimately to get an answer that the sufficient scriptures were the answer to all of life's problems. And at that point in time, after I made my decision, I made it crystal clear in my mind that I wanted to go build people and not rockets anymore. And I believe I had asked you, and most likely our senior pastor, Pastor Good, before you, about my giftedness for ministry, my desire for ministry, and both of you confirmed that. But that's kind of the, probably a little bit longer than Reader's Digest version of my story. So can you tell us about the seminary? Because it was at that time that God was working in your heart and life in some fascinating ways, but I think also preparing you and preparing faith for the beginning of Faith Bible Seminary. So for those who don't know about the seminary or the uniqueness of the model, can you explain a bit about just why did we start it, what is its uniqueness, and what are we trying to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that question. As I was here at Faith Church, you guys actually hired me on staff in um, about 1997 as an intern and then full pastor in 1998, and I continued my love for building into men and discipling men, and that was just part of my regular routine around here. And Faith Church had had an internship program for quite a while. I was an intern at Faith Church, and then after me, some other pastors that are on staff now also had internships, like Pastor Rob Green and others as well. Faith Church was known to invest in men and try to provide internships as well. And many of those men would come here just to learn about biblical counseling, because they wanted to know about the sufficient scriptures. And along the way, in strategic planning with the church and men like yourself who are visionary, they wanted to begin to formalize exactly how can we train men in a more formal and structured way so that we make sure they get the sufficient scripture, theology, and counseling ingrained in their DNA. But what we were missing was the academic component of the languages, the theology. So here's what ultimately Faith Church decided upon. We want to have a seminary that would provide both the theology and the practical ministry training embedded in a DNA of sufficient scriptures. But at the same time, you know this very well, Steve, we also solve various challenges in the seminary models out there. You know, for example, when I expressed a desire to want to go into ministry to you and Pastor Good. Well, Pastor Good said something like this, Brent, um, you need to go away to seminary. And at that point in time, one of the few seminaries that had biblical counseling in it was Central Seminary um, up in Minneapolis. So that's where I went. And, And here's the point. When a young man is interested in ministry, and he's a part of your church, and he wants to be a pastor, what is the thing that we do? Well, we send him away. <laughs> and at that point in time, you know, you may never see him again because he gets up to seminary 
and gets detached from your ministry, but you had trained him in some ways, and you may never see him again. So a young man going away to seminary, and I'm thankful for seminaries. I am. They have served us well, but there are some challenges, not to mention the cost. Costs were rising so much that it would many would have to go into debt because of the cost of traditional seminary, and they would graduate with enslaving debt. And that would also produce the pressure for paying the tuition man would create a pressure to work outside of ministry. So you would have to maintain a full-time job, going to school full-time at the same time, to pay the tuition man. And that would create an additional pressure, possibly, on the family. So families would struggle under that kind of a load and pressure-filled commitment. And in the midst of all of that as well, there could be challenges of, if I'm working outside of ministry, I'm not getting practical ministry training. So those were some of the challenges that Faith Church, under your leadership, ultimately saw, and we wanted to create a different model. And I'm so thankful for the visionary men and leaders and here at Faith Church. They wanted to address—this is typical of counseling, right? We want to bring solutions to problems. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to address those kinds of issues, and in the midst of— those issues. That's where Faith Bible Seminary was started, and we wanted to solve each one of those. So here's what we did. Well, you sent a few of us off to seminary, me and Pastor Green, so that we could get our credentials, and then we would start a church-based seminary, low cost. It was free in the beginning, but low, very low cost now, so that we would bring these men in and we would wed them to our pastoral staff, and they would be joined to us whenever we're doing ministry, and we would provide the practical ministry training at a very low cost, and also the academics. So getting those theological academics along with the practical ministry training from credentialed professors that were also, and this is key, pastors. Okay? So bringing them into the local church and providing that wedding of academics, providing that wedding of practical ministry at a very low cost so that they could ultimately graduate debt-free and also begin to um, have three years of practical ministry training in the midst of that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the structure that you and Rob Green and the board set up so that... Generally speaking, a person has to be out of debt before they can come. There's exceptions to every rule, but that's generally the position we want them to be in. They have to have a college degree. They have to be able to read and write in English. But then when they come here, and that door for the Master of Divinity opens once every three years, they receive housing. They receive a free or low-cost MDiv education. And they're hired on our staff, so they receive some sort of a stipend so they can, well, we used to say put gas in their cars. We're having, <laughs> it's harder and harder to say that, um, and put some food on their table, oh, right. so at least they're not going to have that when they're done. But I also like the way you guys have structured the academics to be all day on Thursday. So that's a long day for our guys, but then what that means is the rest of the week is divided in half. So half their time they're studying 
for their classes and preparing. But the other half of their time, they're available for ministry. And the ministry is, as you said, with whatever supervising pastor they're working with in that particular person's area of focus, but then also in community-based outreach ministry and in biblical counseling. And so they're around a counseling ministry, not as a class somewhere along the line. They're around a counseling ministry for three years. Can you unpack that piece of it? If if a person's going to become a student here, how, when are they going to learn biblical counseling, and what's that part of the process going to look like? Sure, absolutely. They have counseling classes throughout their curriculum. So they have actually five counseling classes, starting with our Intro to Biblical Counseling and Then they have a class where they're focused specifically on the theology of counseling, where they will write their ACBC exams, their theology and counseling exams, and then they have a class called Advanced Counseling Issues, where they're dealing with more intense topics as well, things like just uh, abuse, trauma care, more significant issues that counselors tend to face. And then they're required to get up to about 50 hours of supervised counseling as well, So all of that spans over their three years of ministry where they're constantly pushed into counseling situations so that they graduate with counseling in their DNA. Yeah. And so that's part of, you know, some of the options out there for guys graduating from seminary. It's possible that if they were in an environment where the approach is really defer and refer, it's going to end up being like the pastor you mentioned, that when there's a person who's depressed, well, I guess we send them off to somewhere else, to a Christian psychiatrist, a Christian psychologist, or whatever, and we're not here to bash those persons, but if what that person, that professional is going to say is inconsistent with the doctrine of sanctification that's being practiced in the church, that's not going to be nearly as effective as it could be. So that's one option that a seminary graduate would face. Or for those who might say, well, I had a class or two in biblical counseling along the way, but I never actually saw a live biblical counseling case, and I certainly never counseled anybody myself. That's not the kind of training that that person needs in order to be prepared to be effective in ministry, because would it be fair to say that when our graduates get out into their local church setting, they're going to be counseling day one. At least they're going to be facing situations in ministry that are going to require counseling. So they not only need to have had a class or two, they need to be trained up. They need to be ready to fly that plane and fly that plane well. Is that the belief you have? Yeah, and not only the belief, but it's the actual results. At the time that we're recording this right now, we're just about to go into graduating our fifth cohort, I believe, and During this time, I always ask them, the graduates, about some of the things that they have learned. And I did that in person in class a couple of weeks ago, and I would say 80% of them, it seemed like, were saying something about, I was so encouraged by the things I've learned in biblical counseling. Now, yes, they learned all kinds of theology, and they certainly mentioned out of token respect for me a lot about the Old Testament, because I love the Old Testament, and I'm the Old Testament teacher. But let me just give you a few quotes here from them that I came prepared with. One young man said this, more than anything, I am ready and eager to make biblical counseling central to my life and ministry. Hmm. That's a fascinating statement, central, as part of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, which is not just preaching and teaching, but central. Uh, Another young man said this, the MDiv strengthened my view of the sufficiency of scriptures, And this was true 
what he's about to say, this was true of me when I learned about the sufficient scriptures as well, right here at Faith Church. He says, as a result, the problems of life and ministry no longer seem as daunting or intimidating. Mm. You know, as I've been overseeing the cohorts of our men being trained, what I began to see over these many years that we have done this is men feeling prepared. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to have every last answer for every problem they face, but knowing that when they sit down with somebody, they don't have to be intimidated because there is the Word of God in front of them, and they are confident that God and His words have answers. And that is a beautiful thing to see, and I'm thankful for that in regard to the program that Faith Church has established and the board under under the leadership here at Faith Church. So that's one of the values of a seminary, being nested inside a local church context. Absolutely. And also being nested inside a local church context that is doing biblical counseling for the members and for the community. So we're talking about something not only that the man may have heard about in the class, but also he's observed it in action, and he's participated in it in a mentoring-type environment where somebody is helping him with those initial cases so he's able to do it well. Absolutely, and that's our desire. Do you think also that that has an impact on the way the person is going to preach and teach? In other words, if he's been involved in real-life one-on-one or small-group ministry during seminary, I think that's going to impact the way he studies the Bible, the way he preaches the Word of God. Absolutely. Number one, I know that's true because it's true for me. So being involved in counseling gives me an understanding of the kinds of problems and issues that God's sheep are facing. And when I am week in and week week out involved in helping people, that motivates me personally to make sure I'm including the kind of practical application and guidance in my sermons, in my Sunday school teaching, that is going to be addressing the kinds of issues that I'm facing in the counseling room the rest of the week. So that is something that they have seen and are taught, and it's true of me as well, and that's what they're experiencing also. Do you think it also impacts the way that man is going to solve problems in his leadership meetings with his staff or with his deacons or just with other key leaders? So it's not a matter of, well, he's prepared to counsel when there's a crisis, but he's prepared to take those same principles of sufficiency of Scripture and progressive sanctification and let them impact the way he does all of local church leadership and ministry. So biblical counseling comes, it's not just a class you take, nor is it just a session you have. It's a way of life in doing ministry, isn't it? It's a way of life in ministry management, leadership, and community ministry as well. When we see needs in regard to the community, we come alongside and try to meet them and solve problems in the midst of the community as well. So it starts in my own personal life with I'm inviting men to help me with my problems in a biblical way. It's a management philosophy, and then also it's a community ministry philosophy trying to meet needs as well. You know, when our predecessors, Bill Goode and Dr. Bob Smith, started Faith Biblical Counseling Ministries 45 years ago, they included a training program as part of it from day one, and so we had a number of pastors in the state of Indiana and in the Midwest 
go through that training program. And one of the observations that was made by people like Randy Patton, who was a state representative for a group of churches here in the state of Indiana, was that the tenure of pastors went up. In other words, they tended to stay longer in their churches after they learned more about how to solve problems biblically, and that created a level of church health. And I wonder if that might be one of the impacts on our graduates as well, is that as they get into their first church assignments and they start facing inevitably the problems that come in ministry because we're all cursed by sin this side of heaven, instead of running to the next place where the grass supposedly is greener, they're going to stick it out, communicate, solve problems, and grow spiritually and grow deeper as a result of the kind of relationships that only come by being there a long time. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, and I haven't actually gone out and gathered this data, but as I look over the five cohorts of men so far, it would be my sense that they are staying in their ministries quite a long time. So I'm not seeing the turnover that you have described that some men face because of various challenges. In our last semester here at Faith Bible Seminary with each cohort, one class is called the final equipping class where I just allowed them to ask any kinds of questions. And one of the questions that comes up really regularly is, how do you avoid ministry burnout? And there's all kinds of assumptions behind that question that I think probably are somewhat invalid, but one of the things that I begin to do in addressing that question is sometimes ministry burnout comes because a pastor is not solving problems biblically and things are just accumulating and accumulating and weighing on him instead of actually solving problems. So I get to address that kind of topic head on. And at least in the way that we have our program set up here, the men get to see that happening, solving problems biblically in our ministry. So I think that has been very valuable for hopefully the longevity of pastors being in a position for the long haul, if the Lord wills. So if there's a person or a couple that are interested in this kind of training and would like to join a cohort once every three years when they start, what should they do? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, the first thing to do is just get a hold of me, email me. So you can go on the website and go to the Faith Bible Seminary website and just email me, and I'll be happy to start that dialogue with you in timing, application process, qualifications, and all of that. And all that we've been talking today is about our Master of Divinity program to train men for ministry. Now, we may do this on another podcast, but uh, we may need to talk about the other program that we have, the Master of Arts in Biblical Counseling. That's a whole nother dynamic here, but for men wanting to be in ministry with the kind of program that we have, three-year cohort, low cost, contact me at B-A-U-C-O-I-N at faithlafayette.org. And there's also one other piece of this, and that is for someone who may not be interested in coming to Lafayette for three years or who we don't have the space for that person, there's also the possibility of partnering with their church where they either physically come to Lafayette one day a week or they jump online one day a week, but then that host church continues to provide the internship with the housing and the stipend and everything else in their location. 
That's right. So that church or that person could contact you as well and think about what that might look like. Yeah, so let's imagine that you're a pastor hearing about this, and you've got a young man that's coming up, and he's expressing a desire for seminary, and you're thinking, well, I have to send him off to faith, and that's exactly what the problem you were trying to avoid was. Well, no, we've got a solution for you. You can keep that young man in your church because we can do the academic training online, meaning that on Thursdays, as Pastor Viers mentioned, you can log in and you will see me or Pastor Green or Pastor Viers teaching. We get to see you. We get to interact with you just as if you were there. And in the rest of your time, when you're not involved in classes or academics, you are at your local church and your local church is providing you with an internship, a small stipend and all that, living expenses, so that you might get the philosophy of ministry at your local church underneath your supervising pastor, and Faith Bible Seminary will provide the academics for you low cost. Yeah, what's interesting is when, and we're talking about at the three-year MDiv level, if I happen to walk in and teach a class, I'm actually addressing three very distinct kinds of students with that same material. There's the interns who are at Faith. I know them well. I see them every day for three years. But then there's another group of guys I only see once a week. They're coming from around the Midwest. They're within driving distance of Lafayette, but they're in their local churches. I don't know them nearly as well, but I don't need to, because they have another pastor and they have another local church body pouring into them. We're just providing the academic piece of the MDiv. And then there's the guys on the wall, (laughs) guys who are coming in via the internet, and I can see their faces. And if they have a question, they raise their hand, a tech guy, pushes a button, and bam, their little face on the back wall becomes the big face on the front right, wall. Right. And it is amazing. I would have never believed this until I saw the dynamic of the class. But even those people who are logging in from around the world and have internships in their home churches around the world, it's very lifelike for them to be participating in that class. And you feel like they're every bit as much a part of it as anybody else. They can do even the presentations and the preaching practicums online and they're able to continue to stay in their home church and continue to have that pastor and that church family pour into them at this critical time of life. So praise the Lord for technology that we now enjoy. And so, Brent, I just want to thank you. Thank your wife, your family, for all the sacrifice that you've made all these 25 years, for being willing to go off and get your Ph.D. in Old Testament, and for being willing to so thoughtfully lead the seminary ministry. It's exciting to see what God is doing among the graduates. It just reminds me of the grace of Jesus Christ in calling people to himself, training and equipping people for ministry, and then just allowing us to do this as a family. So I'm very, very thankful. and. The thing about how biblical counseling fits into that entire process is a reason to be greatly appreciative and thankful. So Amen. thank you for your time today. It's my pleasure. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord 
and is a blessing to you.